0: Hello, this is Anna from newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Friday, the 30th of July. India recorded 44,230 new coronavirus cases in the last 24 hours, pushing the infection tally to over 3.15 crore. The number of new infections is marginally lower than yesterday's count of 43,509. With 555 deaths, the toll climbed to 4,23,217. Remember that these numbers are widely believed to be undercounts. The Indian Medical Association hit out against the Andhra Pradesh government's order that requires all hospitals to establish captive oxygen generation facilities and maintain appropriate oxygen supplies on their grounds. Hospitals that do not comply with the mandate will have their registrations revoked. According to the News Minute, the state administration reportedly issued the order in response to reports of multiple COVID-19 patients dying from a lack of appropriate oxygen. C. Shri Nivasa Raju, President-elect of the Andhra Pradesh IMA, called the government directive unnecessary, illogical and unworkable. He also requested the formation of a state-level advisory council to discuss the problem. Globally, according to Johns Hopkins University, COVID-19 has infected 196.5 million people and caused 4.19 million deaths since the pandemic broke out in December 2019. The World Health Organization stated yesterday that the Delta type had triggered a fourth wave of coronavirus outbreaks in the Middle East where vaccination rates are still low. It said in a statement, and I quote, The circulation of the Delta variant is fueling the surge in COVID-19 cases and deaths in an increasing number of countries in WHO's eastern Mediterranean region. Unquote. NDTV reported that according to the WHO, as of last week, only 41 million people, or 5.5% of the region's population, had been fully vaccinated. Chief Justice of India N. V. Ramana said today that the plea for a special probe into the Pegasus controversy, which involves allegations that politicians, journalists and others were targets of Israeli spyware, will be taken up next week. According to NDTV, senior journalists N. Ram and Sashi Kumar had requested that the snooping claims be investigated by a special investigation team led by a sitting former judge. Their lawyer couple Sybil sought that the petition be listed before the Chief Justice, saying that it has huge ramifications on freedom and liberty. The Chief Justice said it may be heard next week depending on the workload. The petition urged the Supreme Court to direct the government to disclose whether it has obtained a license for the spyware or used it directly or indirectly to carry out surveillance of any kind. The petition also stated that questions of liberty and violation of privacy were involved. Meanwhile, in other news, a report published yesterday by France's Cyber Security Agency stated that Pegasus spyware was found on the phones of two journalists from the country's online investigative journal, Mediapart. This is the first time a government entity has publicly confirmed the alleged monitoring scandal. The two journalists named are Mediapart's co-founder and publishing editor Edvi Plenel and reporter Leneig Bredor. Mediapart is one of the 17 organizations with which the reports of the alleged surveillance using Pegasus spyware were shared. Citing Mediapart, NDTV reported, and I quote, The study carried out by the Cyber Security Agency reached the same conclusions as those of Amnesty International Security Lab, on the reality of the Pegasus infection, on its modalities, dates, and duration," unquote. According to Mediapart, the use of the spyware was confirmed during the hearings on the matter in which the two journalists explained how the Moroccan government was behind the surveillance. Just a day before the investigation started, the investigative journal had initiated legal action in view of the spying claims. However, according to AFP, Morocco has stated in an official statement that the allegations are unfounded and false. Pegasus is an Israeli spyware that was allegedly used to target or potentially target for surveillance over 50,000 journalists, activists, political leaders in several countries, including India. While some of these countries have announced investigations into the scandal, the Indian government has resorted to denial and obfuscation, claiming there is no substance in the reports. At News Laundry, we have reported on the snooping. One report by Nidhi Suresh and Supriti David is on how BJP leaders and their allies in the media whipped up the theory that the list itself is fake. It isn't, of course. Then why are they insisting that it is? To know, read their report on our website. It is titled, No one is saying that the Pegasus list is fake. Why are BJP leaders and their media allies insisting it is? Listeners at News Laundry will not only do such investigative reports, but also produce podcasts, interviews, media critiques and much more. We also have events for our subscribers such as NL Recess, which is a virtual chat room where our subscribers have exclusive access to interact with the guests. In the past, we have been joined by several noteworthy artists, journalists, writers, actors and comedians such as Ghazala Wahab, Gulzar, Siddharth, Kabir Bedi, Devdar Patnayak, Anuja Chauhan, Varun Grover and many others. In the next edition of NL Recess, which is slated for tomorrow at 7pm, we are hosting satirist Akash Banerjee and the session will be moderated by Manisha Pandey. But these sessions are only limited to our subscribers. If you aren't a subscriber yet, what are you waiting for? Buy a subscription today. Go to newslaundry.com and hit the subscribe button at the top right-hand corner of our website. Our lowest subscription starts at just rupees three hundred a month. At the ongoing Tokyo Olympics, Indian boxer Lovlina Borgohain reached the semi-finals of the women's welterweight in the 64 to 69 kg category today, ensuring India a second place finish in the Tokyo Olympics. Lovlina qualified for the semi-finals, ensuring a bronze medal at the very least. She became the second Indian female boxer and third overall to win an Olympic medal after Marikom and Vijender Singh. By defeating Germany's Nadine Apitz in the round of 16, she won the final eight bout by a 4-1 split decision. In the semi-finals, Lovlina will face Busena Surmeneli of Turkey. Additionally, PV Sindhu beat Japan's Akane Yamaguchi to enter the semi-finals of the women's singles badminton competition. Sindhu is now just one victory away from securing her second consecutive Olympic medal following her silver in the 2016 Rio Games. Meanwhile, Mary Kom took to Twitter yesterday to express her dissatisfaction with being ordered to change her ring outfit barely a minute before her pre-quarters match against Colombia's Ingrid Valencia. The Indian boxer was knocked out of the Tokyo Olympics after losing a split decision against the Colombian in the round of 16. Under the All India Quota system for undergraduate and postgraduate medical and dental courses, the centre declared a 27% quota for other backward classes and a 10% reservation for economically vulnerable sections yesterday. According to Scroll, the quotas will be implemented beginning in the academic year 2021-2022. The All India quota scheme consists of 15% of the total available undergraduate seats and 50% of all postgraduate seats in government medical colleges. The EWS quota is for the poor among the upper castes. It provides a 10% reservation to the economically destitute among those who are not covered by other reservations, dubbed as the upper caste quota. The move is expected to assist 1,500 OBC students enrolled in MBBS programs and 2,500 in postgraduate programs. According to the Health Ministry, the initiative will benefit 550 MBBS students and 1,000 postgraduate students from economically disadvantaged areas. The Tamil Nadu CBCID filed its charge sheet today against a former Special Director General of Police who is accused of sexually harassing a woman IPS officer. According to Scroll, CBCID Additional Deputy Superintendent of Police Gomathi filed the 400-page document before the Chief Judicial Magistrate Court in Villupuram. A complaint was registered against the officer on 27th of February. He was booked under various sections of the IPC, including 5061, which is punishment for criminal intimidation, and sections three and four of the Tamil Nadu Prohibition of Harassment of Women Act. According to the senior woman IPS officer's written complaint, the incident occurred on 21st of February, after she had concluded her bandobast duty in Karur district following the Chief Minister's visit there. She alleged that the former DGP had touched her inappropriately during the car ride, even after she repeatedly asked him to stop. He had allegedly taken pictures of the officer without her consent. The Madras High Court had taken sumoto cognizance of the issue and ordered the government to suspend the officer who had already been removed from his station and forced to wait. The Supreme Court today took sumoto cognizance of the death of a Dhanbad judge who was hit by a vehicle two days ago. According to NDTV, the court asked Jharkhand's Chief Secretary Sukhdev Singh and Director General of Police Neeraj Sinha to provide a progress report on the probe within a week. Expressing concern on reports of attacks on judicial officers, Chief Justice N. V. Ramana said, and I quote, This Dhanbad case has wider ramifications. We are getting reports that judicial officers are being attacked around the country. We intend to examine this and may seek reports from all states. An auto rickshaw swerved towards Dhanbar Additional Sessions judge Uttam Kumar, who was walking on an empty road, and hit him on Wednesday. The vehicle then proceeded to drive away. The judge's death has been recorded as a murder case and a special investigative team has been formed to look into it. Yesterday, the auto rickshaw driver and his accused accomplice were apprehended by the police. The Apex Court panel, led by Ramana and Justice Kant, declared that the Jharkhand High Court would continue to oversee the probe. The court issued notice to all states specifically requesting the presence of Jharkhand Advocate General Rajiv Ranjan when the case is heard next week. The first flight evacuating Afghan interpreters and others who worked alongside the United States forces in Afghanistan, landed in the US on Friday morning. According to the Associated Press, the airliner carried 221 Afghans, including 57 children and 15 babies. The White House confirmed that the evacuated Afghans were the first of about 2,500 Afghans, comprising 700 principal applicants and their families, to be evacuated in the first group of relocations. According to the White House, that group has already been approved for the special immigrant visas and cleared background checks. The US is partnering with the United Nations International Organization for Migration to relocate the families across the country. With US soldiers slated to leave by the end of August, nearly 20 years after they originally arrived, Al Jazeera reported that many Afghans who collaborated with the US-led NATO forces Fear reprisals from the Taliban. Earlier this week, the US government stated that 750 Afghans with an estimated 1,750 family members would be flown to the US after passing security testing. In a statement issued on Friday, Biden called the flight an important milestone as they continue to fulfill their promise to the thousands of Afghan nationals who served shoulder to shoulder with American troops and diplomats over the last 20 years in Afghanistan. Around 20,000 Afghans who worked as interpreters for the Americans have applied for special immigrant visas from the US State Department. As the US and its allies conclude their withdrawal, the Taliban have officially announced that translators working with Western forces have nothing to worry. That's all the news we have for you today. Have a great day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow.